Brad Boone. How are you, man? Good. Gym open today. Really excited about that. Did you go to the gym today? I did. I did. Did, did you wear a mask? Um, wore a mask. You, you kind of have to. You you wear it in. They do the temperature check. Then you and you kind of have it. Have to have it on you. There's not. They've got a pretty good. Get a good, a pretty good plan over there. They you sign up online, so you can only go, you know, whenever you sign up for. So it's eight in the morning, ten in the morning, twelve, two, four. So they kind of limit the amount of people. It's kind of cool. You kind of have the gym to yourself. You get in, you get out. Once, once again, you get it in. Yeah, but once you're sweating and the mask is on, isn't that annoying? Yeah, but it's really not on. You know, there's nobody around you. You, you got it on for, you know, it, it's kind of on, pulled down. One of those deals. How often are you working out? Or are you in public and someone recognizes you? Oh, it's, it, the farther you get away, less and less. Gotcha. Now you run into it once, uh, once in a while. You know, it, it, it'd be different if I was in Seattle or Cincinnati or somewhere. But I'm in San Diego. I mean, they don't even know who the Padres are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let alone some ex fifty year old. <laughs> Cali, man. Southern Cal. Nobody cares. By the way, I'm keeping this. I'm keeping this. You're keeping what? I'm keeping this for the the podcast, buddy. Oh, I figured you were. Awesome. I'm on to you. You're on you get me now? I'm on to you. <laughs> I'll let you know what I what I okay and what I don't. <laughs> Red Boom. What what do we got this week? It's not Come ha- on, Dan. Really thrill me. <laughs> you know, not- give me some insight. It's not hashtag challenge, challenge me one time. You want me to challenge you? Counter my counter. Ooh, okay. Now what do we what do we got? What do we got on tap? Got okay. some ideas? There's been a growing talk that umpires just don't have it like they used to. And that maybe, and there's even been television specials on this, that cameras could do a better job of calling a baseball game. As a former athlete, somebody who's an an, an analysis and also a fan of the game. That would be an I, analyst. An, an, an analysis. An analyst. Yes. Where do you fall on umpires or cameras calling Once the game again, of baseball? As normal with my answers, it's probably it's probably three or four fold. Um, when I came up to the big leagues, it was different. It was the good old boys. It was the unions were structured differently. Um, and umpires, essentially, once you became an umpire, you were kind of, there was no, you were kind of in. You weren't regulated. You weren't monitored. Uh, so when I say good old boys, I meant it was kind of a club. And I remember getting to the big leagues as a rookie. And man, as a rookie, you needed to mind your P's and Q's because these guys, they didn't care. They were going to stick it to you. They were going to see how you responded to them. Uh, you know, if you had a veteran on the mound and a rookie hit, a uh, rookie hitter, man, you better be swinging six inches off the plate. And if you give him any, you know, it was kind of a, well, he's known to question calls and, and it was tough sledding until you earn your stripes. And the thing is, there was no, uh, there was no retribution. There was, there was no way of getting back at the umpires because they really went unchecked until 
the modern day umpire different? And this is when it was National League umpires, American League umpires. Nowadays, umpires are umpires. You're, you're, you're just a big league umpire. You're not national or, or American. And it's monitored and they have a committee and you're watched and with the technology they have today. So modern day, all we ask as players is, is to show integrity and give us your best game. We completely understand that the human element is going to play a huge role in that. Uh, nobody can keep up with the science and in the, you know, that box they put for the strike zone and did it hit the line? And we don't expect you to do that. But as players, all we want is your best. So establish your strike zone early. And and some strike zones might vary. You know, I might come up and it might be a pitch down and away to me as a ball. And, he'd, and I'd look at the umpire and I'd say, hey, is that a strike today? Yes. Well, as long as that's a strike and I know that, You've established your zone. So don't don't be calling that one and then call that one up and in on me or we're going to have problems. Uh, so I think most umpires are out there. They're doing the best job they can. And in today's game, you're being graded out almost on a daily basis. And they know that, that cameras on every move they make. And you can be fired nowadays. <laughs> Whereas before you couldn't. Their union was so tight and and uh, so strong that you could not fire an umpire back in the day. Nowadays, you can, and, which I think is fair because as players, we're going out there. If we don't do our job, we get fired. You know, so why should the umpires be different? If you're not one of the best umpires in the world, then you shouldn't be in the big leagues. And I, I think I think that's the way it should be. That being said, with all the technology. And the, the statometer and all this stuff that fires up on the screen. So it allows anybody to sit on their couch and just really critique this guy. When being an umpire is hard and being a great one is really hard. So you got, you have to, t- you got to give them a little slack, understand that, that there's the human element that's always going to be there, which makes baseball baseball. And I'd hate to see that taken away. Me as a fan, as an ex player, I'd love to see him take that box away. You know, that box that they put up when, yeah. when there's a controversial call. And then yes. so every but every armchair quarterback in the world can sit at home and go, oh, that's not a strike. That's not a strike. Or I look at it the flip side and play devil's advocate. Does the modern day fan like that? And li- does that add to to them watching the game? Well, if that if that would uh, test out as, yes, the majority of the fans love that because they like to be armchair quarterbacks. Well, then as a player, I'd have to say, well, then let's keep it in because this is all about what the fans want. So it's a catch-22 in a lot of different ways, but umpiring has definitely changed. And it's definitely, it's just like the players. There's the superstar players, and then there's the average players. Same with umpires. I I had umpires that that I know, you know, maybe I don't like his strike zone today, but one thing I know is he establishes that strike zone. So I know what a ball and a strike is. The mediocre or the bad ones are the ones that would miss, and they would change their strike zone throughout the day. But I think for the most part, these guys are out there giving it their best. They they want to be known as a great umpire. They want the players to say, hey, he's a really good umpire. He's fair. And whether you're a pitcher's umpire or, or a hitter's umpire, that'll go back and forth. But uh, it's really interesting. And, and I had that conversation with my with my dad. I had coffee with him. They we were talking about it. And I said, yeah, what about that box? You know, Because it'll hit the line. Now, the commentator – 
will say, well, it, it hit the line. Well, I know that the way that ball breaks, it hit the backside of that back line and it kind of went around the plate. So to the naked eye as a hitter, I know it's a ball. And the great umpires know it's a ball. But technology says it's a strike. So, so you know, I, I don't know. I like keeping it in the purest form. You know that about me. I, yes. I like keeping this game in the purest form that we can keep it. But with the ever-changing technology, and it's getting so good, it wouldn't surprise me if one day you just had an umpire there in uniform, but the balls and strikes were called by the actual computer. Now, as a hitter, who knows? That might be a pretty good th- I personally like the human interaction. I like the umpire being there. But, but you, could, you could really make a case for, well, if the computer called it, at least you'd know what a ball and a strike were, whether you, whether you didn't like the, the ball and the strike zone that the computer had set up, at least you know what a ball and a strike is. You know, and it's going to be a little more foolproof. It's going to be 99.9% accurate, which is more than the human eye is going to give you. So who knows? Maybe the modern day player would like that. I, I, I like that interaction and I like having that umpire and I like that human interaction and, and the human uh, inaccuracy that we all have. Now, here's something you did not know about me, Mr. Boone. And here's why you I'll, used to be an umpire. I actually am an umpire. I'm just kidding. But my father-in-law, my father-in-law, my wife's dad was an umpire for the major really? leagues. For the major leagues, and it was what actually was his, name? his name was Woody Urchek, and he actually was an umpire during the strike years as well for the White Sox. And they wanted him to go and do the whole country, but he didn't want to do it. He liked being a local so, guy and stuff like that. We actually have so you have a you have a little insight of what I just talked about. I have a little bit of it, and every now and then, he and I, when I see him at family gatherings, he just turned eighty one. And I, he's got one of those cool MLB like card things where like an umpire's card where he can go to any stadium he wants to and, and watch a game right. as long as it's not like a playoff game or an all-star game, but he can find himself a seat. Well, except for now. But needless to say, I would always have questions for him, and the questions were like this. How do you know what you're looking at when you're standing on the side of a player if something is two inches to the left or two inches to the right? How do you know when things are coming too far, too gone? And then the flip side of that is that now in today's game. There is replay. So even if he does think that it's a strike or a foul or whatever it is, they can replay these things now. And it's totally taking the ball out of the hands well, of the umpire. I, I think it's really hard as uh, being a modern day umpire. I think because of the technology and we can just slow it down right. you know, to the, to the umpteenth degree. So I'm a human being. Uh, of course, I'm not going to be able to keep up with that, that frame by frame technology. No, uh, you know, once again, let me get on the other side of it and say what umpire wants to make a bad call at the wrong time. Game five, ALCS. Is that ball fair or foul? I was in good position. There's shadows. There's people. An arm was reaching out. You want to make the right call. So I think the replay in those in those circumstances, I think, are great to have. And, and I think even the, the modern day umpire welcomes that because they want to get that call right. I think as players, we all understand. We know who the good guys are. And and I don't mean good guys from a personality standpoint. We know who the best umpires are. and We know who the worst and we know who the ones are in the middle. Um, And, and depend, you know, I'd I'd get the, you get the lineup card every day. Hey, who's behind the plate tonight? So-and-so. Oh crap. You know, I know what I'm in for now. Oh, so-and-so is behind the plate tomorrow. Well, tomorrow's going to be good. He's a hitter's umpire. He's really good. He, you know, so uh, it's a back and forth. I'll, I'll give you another thing. I mean, when I first came into the big leagues, and people don't understand, as players, we go 
we're always on charter flights. So the game, whenever the game ends, we don't have to catch a flight. Our plane is waiting for us. Umpires are different. They've got to go city to city, you know, and a four man crew is in Cincinnati, but they need to be in Colorado and it's a getaway day and it's Sunday and their flights at six. Well, we're going extra innings. And, and we used to, as players, when we go extra innings, go, Hey, this crew's changing. They got to go to the next city. So they might widen that strike zone. And as a player, as a hitter, you get pissed when that starts opening up because they don't want to miss their plane. They know this game's got to be over or they've got to get on the later flight. Oh, geez. And, and I always used to say, this is, this is my life, man. I care if it's two, if it's a foot outside and you're calling it a strike. So, but I think nowadays there's less and less of that because there's so much monitoring. There's so much critiquing by the powers that be now who who kind of oversee the entire umpire crew so you really have to mind your p's and q's and and stick with that integrity based approach uh because you're always being watched and you're always being graded so and that, and that's what you should do i mean as an umpire uh if i had to catch a flight at six and i knew if this game goes two extra innings i'm not going to make it of course i want to make that flight but the professional in me at some point has to say, well, it is what it is. And I might have to catch that later flight, but I've got to do my job and to the best of my ability. I would think that's what most guys would do uh, when push came to shove and, and when you do that soul searching. But, you know, it's it's just like real life. Some, some guys do, some guys don't. I will say this, and it's been interesting to me as the years have gone on and the way life has gone with social media, with marketing of the game. I've always found that Major League Baseball has done a poor job of catching up with the trends. The NBA has done the best. The NFL is the most popular sport out of anything right now, in America at least. And I've always thought that Major League Baseball has lacked in certain things. And number one is the purists of baseball will not let anything really change. It's like trying to change a monument or anything that's been declared like a landmark. They won't change anything. And like we just said, with umpires, sometimes it slows the game down. This game needs to be sped up a little bit. And this game needs to be marketed, I think, a little bit better in terms of how things go along. Because it's going a little too slow for the average watcher and listener. And well, right now, I, and, the, I think, and I will say that and, uh, before you get into it, that Major League Baseball is one of the few that has benefited from this pandemic in terms of how it's structured. I think baseball is actually one of the more watchable sports right now because of how they've handled it. I just wish they would find ways to speed this game up a little bit and maybe take it out that umpire. Maybe, maybe at least having the home plate umpire. I don't know. A, That's going to be a, a tough sell for Apple Pie Chevrolet Major League Baseball. It's always been that way, you know, since. Well, when Apple Pie Chevrolet is sponsoring that camera, we could talk about it. No, you know what I'm saying, though. (laughs) And you're right, though. It's got to change, though. There's something something about the game needs to be changed up. Because before this pandemic happened, the ratings for baseball were dipping and dipping and dipping. And I've always said this. Unless you're a true baseball fan, if Mike (laughs) Trout walked past me while I'm at Starbucks drinking a cup of coffee, I might be one of three people that recognizes him. But if LeBron James walks by me, or if you know, any Chicago bear athlete walks by me in Chicago, I would know who that guy is, or I would know who Peyton Manning was or Tom Brady, but I would not know Mike Trout. If I saw Bryce Harper, I would think he probably plays for a band that's about to open up at house of blues. They just don't do a good job. I think in terms of embracing that part of it. And I think that also has to do with breaking up this, like you said, apple pie of Chevrolet. There's too much, too close to the vest. There needs to be more storyline, more marketability, more, 
more of that. That needs to be paid well, and, more and, I, and I'm all for change. If it's a positive change and it's what the masses want. Right. Uh, being a baseball guy and, and baseball being my whole life, I, I am a purist and I like the old. Uh, I've, I've accepted these new rules. I'd like the home run. Is it fair? Is it foul? We want to get that right in game five. Like I said, game five of the NLCS, we can't have a foul home run be called fair. Um, I think that bang, bang play in the bottom of the ninth inning, that double play ball where the guy was out at first, he was called safe. We, I, I don't mind the replay for that because that's got to be, we've got to get that right. And today with the technology, it'd be silly for us not to. I, I, I've never looked at it from a time stand, you know, time frame or, or how long the game is like a few years ago, they took out the fake, fake to third throw to first pickoff move. That's been in the game since the beginning of time. I looked at that as kind of a silly rule to change is what's the purpose there? Because that doesn't save any time. A, a guy might step off, fake the throw to third throw to first once every maybe twice a week. And it's going to take a total of about 30 seconds. Never understood that. Um, I don't like this runner on second in extra innings for this pandemic baseball. Um, I, I think it's little league-ish. You got to keep Major League Baseball major. It's Major League Baseball. And I think Major League Baseball, no matter, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm off on this. But I think MLB is always MLB and it's different than the other sports. It doesn't matter what decade we're in or, or, or if the NFL is pop more popular now or the NBA is more popular than MLB still MLB. And I think you have to hold it to a higher, uh, higher level. And, and I think that's when it comes to the rules, we can't get Mickey mousey with the rules. I'm all for evolving and, and using this technology to get better. You bring up a good point, though, with the, with the umpire. I like the interaction with the umpire there, but maybe it'd be different. Maybe the strike zone would be there, and the ump, you know, the umpire would be there as well to monitor it along. Called, you know, out safe, play at the plate. Um, that's going to be tough for for purists to accept, but maybe the masses in the new generation would like something like that, and it would move it along. It would, there would be no arguing because the computer would say what the pitch is, and there's really no arguing with the computer. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know how that would fly with the everyday fan. I think they're, <laughs> you know, they should turn it into like a, a political thing and have focus groups. Find out what the masses want. If that's what they want, give them what the the product they want. They're the people that buy the seats, go to the games. So, uh, and as a player, the farther I get away, and as an ex-player now, uh, I really like embracing the fan type activities. Whereas when you're a player, when I was 25 years old, to put a mic on and be mic'd up and, oh, I'm going <laughs> to go about my day. And, you know, guys in the truck are listening to everything I say and they're siphoning out, putting on the broadcast, what I said. I, I hated that as a player. And I thought, no, how dare you? I'm working right now. Fast forward a little bit and I look at the game as a whole. That's really cool stuff. That's what fans love to see. They love when the when the manager's mic'd up in the seventh inning in a big game and, and you're hearing what's going on down there. 
uh, I think fans really like that. And if that grows the game and that brings more people to the game, then as a player, I'm all for it. Look at the salaries guys are making now. You're making 10, 15, 20 million dollars. You got to put a mic on once in a while because that's what the fans want. Well, then put the damn mic on and move on. So I'm all for changes, but I, I, I'm all for rational changes. And I, I don't want to just upend the game as a total comes back to it's still major league baseball allow me to throw something even probably worse your way and, and i know every baseball player, person fan and even truest of the game is going to not like what i have to say i don't understand baseball in this route that if you are a coach a manager a player and you're sitting there in the dugout and you're watching signs you're watching signs get delivered and Whatever it is, as a player with your eyes, you can see it, you know what it is, and you can tell your buddies. But the minute you use technology to look at it, it's no longer good. And I don't understand that because it's still the same eyes, it's still the same signals, it's still the same sign. So if somebody does understand it, and they do get it, and they do happen to just catch it, then there's no difference to me than that in technology. The science well, thing I, I'll, to me, I'll, give you an exa- I'll, I'll give you an example of that. Go ahead. You know, I've been, I've played with a lot of first base coaches, a lot of third base coaches. We'd put a, you know, I, I know third base coaches that will have a camera on their third base coach from the get go. And then after the game, we'll review everything and try to break down their signs. I think where, where, where you cross a line is, okay, once you're on the field and you're giving signs, let's say you're a third base coach, you're going through the sequence, uh, you're open game. Okay. Everybody's on you. Everybody can see you. So if we can decipher your, your sign, so I can, I know when you're, when you put the steel sign on, or I, I know when it's a hit and run, well, I think that's good, but you're out there in the open to see when you put a, uh, and, and not to say that it hasn't happened. You know, I've played in some games where I know that there's a center field camera that's getting fed back to the home team and I'm the visiting team. And how am I going to counter that? Well, I got to catch them in the act. I think that's crossing the line. When you have a camera, don't disclose that you have a camera. So now as a catcher, you know, I, I, I need to know if I, I have a have a camera on my crotch. For the game. I think that needs to be disclosed before the game starts. If I know that, now I have to get a little more high tech in my sign giving. And I think that's where we're going in the future because of what happened in this whole Houston blow up and and Boston Red Sox and the uh, the Mets, you know, Beltron that got that got fired once he got hired because he was wrapped up in this scandal. I think we're, where we're going from there is going forward, technology is never going to go away. There's always going to be people trying to get an edge there. Nowadays, they're going to use technology. In my day, we didn't have these uh, high-tech Apple phone 11s. We had flip phones. We didn't have the technology to do what they can do nowadays. So it's always going to be there. Technology is always going to advance. So I think what we need to do as players is we need to up our game and just assume when we exit that dugout and take the field that cameras are on us at all times. What do we have to do? We have to defend our signs. We've got to get, uh, give our signs at a higher level. If, if you see what I'm saying. So, so we put the onus on ourselves. If they can decipher our signs, just assume there's a camera on us at all time because of this Houston scandal that went down. I think players are going to have to start doing that because it's not going away. Yeah. Houston got caught. There were probably, a bunch of other teams doing it, but 
But just because that happened, it doesn't mean 10 years from now, we're not going to have another scandal with something else using some new piece of technology. So I think as a player, you just have to be aware and just think you're being watched at all times. So I've got to get a little higher, higher level in, in my sign giving. And I think you do that. You put the onus on yourself to, if you could decipher this, well, then you deserve to have the pitches. But I'm going to get so, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to draw this out and I'm going to be so uh, unique in how I'm giving these signs. It's only me and my pitcher that could possibly decipher them. But there's a little effort that goes in that, that, that hasn't been had to go into that in, in, in the past. So uh, we'll see. It'll be interesting. Well, my thing is this. The way technology is right now, okay, so we don't have a camera on you, right? I'm going to give a, a ticket to my wife, and she's going to sit there. She's going to look at me like, you know, with her video camera and take videos of me. No one is going to know that she's actually just videotaping the uh, first base coach, and no one's going to know that she's actually just sitting there doing that. Sure. And so sure. technology is set up in a way in which, well, then let's get rid of the actual hand signals. Let's get rid of the signals. Why don't we put a couple of little, you know, maybe an earpiece in the pitcher's ear or something like that, like right. the NFL. But I think when you well, go why to not, earpieces. Why not do stuff like that? You know, and for me, in the game I've played, in the game I grew up around and continue to watch, if I find out somebody has something in their ear, uh, I'm going to have a big problem with that. Why? Now, now, 50 years from now, I might not, because I grew up in the game where you just don't do that. There are certain lines. There are imaginary lines. So there are unwritten rules is what you're saying. We all know there's lines and we don't cross them. Yeah, but the unwritten rules thing is, you know, I've, I've had a chance to think about that, too. And there are rules in my day that there are certain things. It, it's not something that's written on paper. It's just something that a grin or a look or a, if I raise my eyebrow, you know what's right. You know what's wrong. And all of us know. And if you cross that line, there's consequences. And it's usually handled right now. And it's over with. But I've been thinking about this with the unwritten rules, and there's been a lot of that, uh, a lot made of that, and, and a lot out in the in the papers and on social media about it. And I'm looking at these kids today, and I'm seeing pitchers that have no problem with guys doing certain things, and they had no problem with Tati swinging three zero. And I thought about it for a while, and I thought, you know what? If the if the current crop of players, this generation's players, have no problem with it. Well, then me as an analyst sitting back here, why should I have a problem with it? It's not my game. My game, you know, my game was there in the 90s and the early 2000s. That was my game. That were my peers. But it's a new generation. And if we're moving forward, it's like, well, this as long as they're on the same page, they have their own unwritten rules. And our rules don't apply to that. And, and as a veteran player and as the older guys now sit around and say, well, you, you don't want to be that guy that, oh, what I played, you know, back in the day, the current player doesn't want to hear that. You know, that's like me listening to my grandfather when I was 25 years old. I love listening to him. But his generation was the best and everything they did was the best way. And once in a while, I'd be like, Gramps, it's, you know, it's 2000. Come on, turn the page. I don't want you to be this old bitter guy, <laughs> you know, so I don't want to be that guy. So if, if my rules don't uh, fit with your rules that they are today, my day has is, is come and gone. I'm not a player anymore. So, so why should I get hung up on that if all your peers and all the day, guys that are playing today have no problem with it? Have your own unwritten rules. They're, they're not what ours were. I don't agree with certain things in the game, 
but who cares what I think about it? It's their game. Let them do what they want. Let them monitor, you know, how they want to monitor. And those players that are playing right now, they're going to be sitting in my seat one day and they're going to be watching the new crop of players, you know, and you don't want to hear that guy that used to play that tells you how great it was in their day. You want to move forward with the game, take the good from the past, couple it with that of the present. Now you can be a very fair, uh, look at both sides, learn from both sides, analyst. And that's how I approach it. It's fascinating about your grandpa because I know that you said that one of the best things about writing your book was the conversations you had with your grandfather and the stories that he told. What were some of the stories that you remember of him telling you that are still almost unbelievable to hear to this day? Well, I mean, oh, grandpa, what a <laughs> what a good guy and, and a fun guy. And I had such a good relationship with him growing up. And he was one of my first influences, uh, you know, because I was born when my dad was in college. And in my early years when I was, you know, my first couple of years of life, I spent a lot of time with my grandpa. My, my dad was, you know, in the minor leagues and he's running around. So I spent a lot of time with my grandpa. So he was probably my earliest influence, especially baseball wise. Um, and through the years, you know, we just had that relationship that, you know, not everybody has with a grandpa, but the ones that had that gramps relationship, you kind of, you can kind of pick them out with the, the way they talk or the way you light up when you talk about them. I have a great relationship with, with my dad. Um, but I also had that relationship with gramps and, uh, oh man, the stories. And so a couple of years ago, they come to me and they want me to write a book and I'm not a book guy. And. You know, I was always a, a guy that protected that clubhouse. And, I didn't and even our, I didn't even know you could read and write. So this is great. It's tremendous. <laughs> and, and by the way, to, to to put out a good book, you don't need to know how to read or write. <laughs> <laughs> now so, the stories now, so come I, out. I went I went into the you know I went into the book thing kind of half cocked and kind of not really committed. I didn't know if I wanted to do it, but but I ended up doing it and. Uh, you know, I got through it. And the, the funnest part of the book for me was reliving that grandpa time. You know, I lost him in 2004. And uh, I remember just the talks we'd have. And that Ted Williams story that came up for the 50th time at, at, at dinner. And, and he's telling me about Bob Feller. And yeah, he threw 100. He raced a motorcycle. You know, it's, those are the, and he told me about the train rides they used to have. And, uh, you know, his contract negotiations where there were no agents and the union didn't exist. And Well, tell me that, was, uh, tell me that Ted Williams story for those of us that, yeah, uh, there were, for those I of mean, us that did so not many, read the, so, the, this book of Brett Boone. You got to read it. You got to read it. Well, it's give me a good. story. Give me a little tease. I'll give you the Gramps, Gramps story. Okay. We're, oh, this is, this is probably my favorite from the book and, it, and it's the, it's the one that gets me choked up too is, is it was 2004 and I got a phone call and I was in Seattle and uh, Gramps, let, let me preface the whole thing with Gramps is about as uh, proud of a man as I've ever met. Not only proud of his generation, but proud of his family almost to a fault. I mean, he was one of those guys that would never praise you to your face, but he'd walk away and he, he couldn't say enough nice things about you, Aww. but never in front of you. He's one of those guys. He would never say anything about my, he, you know, I'd, he, he lived in San Diego and we'd come in town and we'd play the Padres and, you know, I'd always have a bunch of family waiting for me after the game and Gramps would always have his, you know, I was like, all right, Gramps is here. So Brett has this, you know, I see all my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, but now it's Gramps time because <laughs> that was kind of my special relationship. 
and I could be three for four, two home runs, big double play to end the game. And first question would be, what happened that fourth at bat? I'd say, Gramps, <laughs> I had a great night. That's just how he was. I'd walk away and he goes, see that grandkid? The kid can really play. But he, never, but he never had that to your face. But I knew that about him. You know, my grandma was a, was a saint. But man, he was tough on her, and he'd hand he'd he'd hold out his coffee cup, and she'd fill it up, and I'd look at him like, "Wow, she she would <laughs> never praise her to her face." I'll tell you, she would leave that room, and he'd look. He goes, "They don't make them like her anymore." That's the that's the most wonderful lady in the world. So we knew how he felt about his family. So it's two thousand four, and I get a phone call I'm in Seattle, and Graham's got rushed to the hospital, and he had some you know underlying conditions and. And uh, I got on the first plane I could, and I flew out there. <clears throat> and um, we're sitting there, and I'd never seen him like this. He, he was, they had him, man, they had a lot of drugs pumped into him, and he was mm. real bloated and didn't look good, and he couldn't talk. He could only write on a, on a you know, I, I forget, it was a chalkboard. So that's how we were conversing back and forth. And I remember he looked at me, because Ted Williams to him, there was nobody that could ever hit like Ted Williams. I mean, he, I'd talked to him about the modern day players and ah, they ain't Ted Williams, Brad. They ain't Ted Williams. Ted's better than all those guys. That's just how he was. Jeez. And he's sitting there and there was a guy, a young player at the time named Jake Peavy, who ended up coming up and, and I know Jake. having a real, yeah, having a he really good, good, yeah, really good big league career. And this is when he was a young player. He's coming up with the Padres and he had the Padre game on in his hospital room. And he's writing this down on his chalkboard and we're talking and he writes something down and he goes, uh, like hands it to me and says, this Jake Peavy kid's got a chance to be good. Okay. You know, and I write something back. <laughs> on his death he, he grabs a chalkboard and he's, and he writes to me and he writes, and by the way, Barry Bonds is better than Ted Williams. Whoa. And for grandpa to say that people have no idea that didn't know him. Gramps ain't saying that. But the fact that he said that, I remember tearing up right there because I said, he ain't going to make it. I said, because there's no way he's going to divulge that to me and, and live to tell about it because he's going to be in trouble. And I knew right there that he, I, wasn't, he, I was going to lose grandpa and he was going to pass away. Because I knew that was the end. And he finally admitted it and uh, next day he died. But, uh, you know, it's just the book's full of moments like that. And, and it was really cool for me and really humbly humble for me uh, when writing the book because I went in, like, not really wanting to do it. And at the end, it's like, wow, I got to relive all that grandpa stuff. And, and Gramps isn't around anymore. And, and I appreciated it even more now because, you know, when you got it and it's there, sometimes it's a nuisance or I don't want to hear that story again. But when they're gone, you really appreciate the time you had with them. So it's interesting. Man, I got I got a ton of stories about Gramps, but that's always my favorite one. Did your, that, did your grandpa ever uh, have a story of Mickey Mantle? No. Mantle, uh, Gramps played from 47 to 59. You know, and his big years were in Cleveland. He only oh, played with you. Ted. He only played with Ted at the end, and and Gramps was kind of a part time player there. But they ended up. Uh, Ted's a few years older than Grandpa, and uh, they went to the same Hoover High School, same oh, wow. high school in in San Diego. And Ted was a little older. I, I don't think they played together in high school, but uh, yeah, a lot. Oh man, I could I could fill hours with with stories. That very bond. That's a great one. That is. A he great was one in a million, but he was. He, let me ask you this: grips. As a guy like yourself, there is a lot of 
there's a lot of things about the steroid era that uh, that have happened, and it happened, and I'm okay with it. I've always said that I have no problems with steroids in baseball, and the way Jose Canseco wrote a book, he said that he wasn't very skilled until he started taking steroids, and I've always said if there was a reality TV show that wanted to start giving me steroids, and I had a doctor testing me just to see if I, my baseball ability could be of a Jose Canseco, I would do it for like a million bucks. They can give me two years worth of steroids, and I would work out. Would uh, it work? I can answer that for you right now. No chance on planet Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the confidence, Brett. But anyway, even before there was a steroid era, mm-hmm. Barry Bonds is probably one of the greatest hitters of all time. Do you put an asterisk next to his name, or do you know that when you guys were during that time, during that era, you played in that era where things hit the fan do you give him well, that do you give him that home run that home run you know, crown? well i think about it this i think about it this way i think you know and, and that's the big problem i have with the hall of fame it's like the hall of fame now and how are you voting and you know i don't like when people come out of their bubble and play god it's like oh he took steroids he didn't take it and it's all people guessing right nobody knows who did or who didn't no nobody nobody you know unless, nobody's unless you physically line. tested positive there's no proof that anybody did or didn't take him. So I hate when people say, well, he took him or he did it the right way. Well, you have no idea whether he did it the right way or he didn't. You just want him not to have done it and you want him to have done it. So I don't think it's fair. I, I, I think what you do with that generation and, and take whatever you want to take. I don't know what years you want to go from 85 to 2005. And everybody goes in the same, in the same category and they either all took him or nobody did because it's an even playing field. If the hitter's taking it and the pitcher's taking it, uh, who's got the edge? So I I, I just, to uncomplicate things, I think you just have to take it. It's an era in the game where it is what it is. And, and you take it for what it is and, and, and don't play God and don't say who took it, who didn't take it because you don't know. You, you pretend to know, you know, these people that are voting for the Hall of Fame, we pretend that they know, but they don't know. And, and, and it could be a bias thing. It could be, well, I didn't like him. And yeah, he took steroids or, you know, I really liked him. He did it the right way. Well, that might be completely incorrect. And to judge people on that, I think you, everybody's even. You either took them or you didn't. Everybody took them or everybody didn't. And that's how you vote on that. That being said, with the with all the great players I, I got to see, play with, play against, uh, no one's even close to Barry Bonds. Not even in the same category. Not even close. Not even Whereas Gr- Griffey was the best player I ever played with. Barry Bonds is the best player I ever played against. What about McGuire? <laughs> not even close. Not even close. Nobody's. I, I'm talking about. I'm not talking about just sheer power. Yeah. I'm talking about overall hitter. Uh, it's Barry, and then there was everybody else. I think it's the biggest discrepancy in the history of the game, maybe uh, with Babe Ruth being the except the other exception. Did you it, ever- where Barry was so much better than the second best guy, kind of maybe like a Michael Jordan in 1993. Wow. Michael was so much better than the next guy, and, and there were some great players, but there's nobody that could hit like him. It just, I mean, look at the numbers. It's just, and, and and I say this all the time, and I talk to my son about it because, you know, he got to see Barry play a little bit, but not that. He's only 21 years old. And I said it was like Barry was playing slow-pitch softball, and the rest of us were playing big league baseball. And it just wasn't even close. I think if you took a blanket uh, 
vote from everybody that played from Barry's first year till Barry's last year and said, who's the best hitter you ever saw? I think it would be a 95% Barry Bonds end of story. It's not even close. Forget about it. I, I just, I would shake my head at, at watching him hit. Like, does he realize that it's not this, this easy? And, and everybody was just kind of the same notion. You know, they walk by and go, yeah, Barry, it's ridiculous. You you can't even begin to, to imagine what it's like the way, the way he was just, so much better than the rest of us was he as much of an asshole to you guys as he was to the media because he was not nice to us um barry wasn't the most loved guy let's put it that way (laughs) (laughs) you know and i don't know barry on a uh on a real high level i know barry getting a second base and i'll give you a little story about barry it's the ninth inning uh we're winning by one our closers in the game He's leading off the inning. They intentionally walked him to lead off the inning. They put the tying run on first with nobody on, nobody out. He stole second. So now he's on second base, nobody <clears throat> nobody out in a one-run game. And I walked over to him, and I was a pretty proud guy. <laughs> I didn't like to give too much credit. And I walked over to him, and I, I kind of took my hat out. I said, uh, hey, Barry, I said, you know, I've seen a lot of things in my day. I said, but that right there, intentionally walking you to to lead off the inning in a one-run game, I said, that's impressive right there. Took his helmet off, looked at me, said, shit, Booney. I'd have done the same effing thing. And I looked at him, and I just thought, he's right. (laughs) And I don't have a retort (laughs) because he's that good and he's that right. So... Yeah, Barry, yeah, he wasn't the most well-liked guy, but uh, once he stepped between those lines, uh, he had the respect of, of every single person about as high level as you possibly could have. I still think didn't, if I took massive amounts of steroids and had somebody watching me, I'd be in that same breath as Barry Bonds. You? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it would add to your golf game. <laughs> well, at least I might be able to hit it straight for once instead of dead left or dead right. <laughs> He is Brett Boone. You can find him on Twitter at, at Brett Boone 29. I'm Dan Levy. You can find me at base on air on Twitter. We want to thank everybody for joining us today and, and having some words of wisdom from the man who did not take any stories, but did come up with this final resolution. Barry Bonds, a better hitter than Ted Williams. I did not expect to hear that one today, and I'm glad I did. Hey, that's Gramps, not, not me. Hey, I'm not arguing with it. I think, I think Barry Bonds does not get the, uh, the well he he knows he deserves it but i think from everybody else that steroids asterisk is just a a rough one because he was really that good so if you guys want to go ahead and click on us we are now on apple itunes you can find us there any other any other podcast platform that you want to find us on we are pretty much everywhere now so feel free to subscribe share comment review and again if you want to reach out to brendan and ask him questions i think booney you've done a couple of uh ask the boone some questions maybe it's time for you to do that again on twitter Go do that. Add bread. Maybe I will. Let me know. I say we do it for next week. Again, I'm Dan Levy. This has been the Boone Podcast. Find it everywhere. Subscribe everywhere. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. We'll see you guys next week. See everybody.